0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We are recapping week four of the college football season. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Send me an email at BigTenFootballTalk at gmail.com. Obviously, a really great week for college football. And I just a lot of things to to really catch up on here for for the week. obviously, the big one was Ohio State, Notre Dame, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Penn State, Iowa. We'll talk about all the games i I think where I wanna start is just kind of how I'm looking at the big ten in terms of tiers. Uh, Yankee Wolverine, uh, my, my buddy on Twitter, he, uh, he told me that I can't rank a West team at all in my top five. And I mostly agree with him, mostly. I think there is one West team that belongs in the top five, and I'll explain that in a minute. But it, it prompted me to think about a reality, which is, I think... Not what I expected coming into the season. And it's this. There is very clearly an upper tier and obviously mid-tiers and a lower tier. But I think in the Big Ten, unfortunately, that at least right now, the the bottom tier is easily the biggest tier of teams. And I think that really played out throughout the weekend. I think we saw Purdue really come back down to earth, you know, they, they, I thought competed a little bit with Syracuse. Obviously they had a, a win against Virginia tech who Virginia tech is not very good. And, you know, they, they had a close loss against Fresno state who is ranked in the AP top 25 this week. So like, it it wasn't all bad for the Boilermakers, but man, Wisconsin overwhelmed them. And then you had Minnesota who I I've been saying for a few weeks now, I think I expected them to be better in the preseason, but they are not good. They're not good. And we saw that be, as they were upset by Northwestern. You know, big win for Northwestern. But we know that Northwestern is not a great team. I think Michigan State, you know, they were they had chances against Maryland, but they really struggled uh, at home. Indiana had to go four overtimes with Akron and really honestly should have lost in regulation. If Akron can hit, I think, a 38-yard field goal that was in the center, they lose that game. And then Nebraska, who has been, you know, Harsburg has been a bit of a revelation at quarterback. But again, it's, you know, these are not great teams that they're beating and they sit at two and two. Like That's six teams in what I would say is your bottom tier. And I'll be honest, the tier above them, I think could easily descend to the fourth tier at one point, or at some point. Iowa was just awful on offense. And I get it. Luke Lachey is out. I missed that during my picks. I did not realize that Lachey is going to be out. But my goodness, that was a dumpster fire on offense. And granted... Penn State is really good defensively. And I, by no means do I want to uh, downplay the defensive performance by Penn State. But let's, let's be real here. It's one of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen from a top 25 team. It was awful. Illinois has not been great. They struggled with Florida Atlantic, you know, and Rutgers, I, I think, I think we're going to see about Rutgers. I I think, I think they are much improved from years past, but I've been proven wrong by Rutgers before. And so I, those three teams, I'm like, I, I just don't know. Now I, I will say this and we'll get to the power rankings in a minute. Again, if you're Rutgers, where do you finish if you were in the West instead of the East? because i have, i think there's a strong case to set to be made for second they looked a lot better against michigan than iowa looked against penn state and granted michigan blew rutgers out but that game was close into the third quarter and there was some shady officiating in that game and rutgers shot themselves in the foot in that game so i, I you know i think rutgers looks better right now than iowa now, I, they line up on the field, so we're going to see. But again, I, that's your third tier. And I'm like, ah, uh, that's not a good third tier. And then your your second tier, I have Wisconsin and Maryland. And I think Maryland looked okay against Michigan State. Like, going going back and reviewing the game, they are lucky that Michigan State and Noah Kim wanted to keep throwing them the ball. Like it was it was a tough game for them. Wisconsin looked dominant and I think they they look the their loss looks better now than it did a couple weeks ago. Because Washington State, I mean they it looked respectable at the end, but I mean they they put a beating on Oregon State in the first half. And, I mean, they were up 17 in the fourth quarter, and then Oregon State rallied to make it a uh, 38-35 game. But, like, that's their loss was going on the road to Washington State. Like, that's – I thought that was not a great loss. I'm like, Washington State's not that good. They could be a contender in the Pac-12. and pac 12s loaded this year. It's loaded. Uh, going back to Iowa, 76 yards. How do you just get 76 yards? I don't understand it that's that's my one well, I'll rant more about Brian Ferentz and his ineptitude here in a, in a minute. and then the, the first tier is is still Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, which we'll talk about. so it it's hard, and I think you get to those last six teams I'm like i don't I don't know how you rank them. I don't know where you rank them so i'm I, this is my attempt to. This is my attempt to last place in the Big 10 in my power rankings right now is Minnesota. The the boat is sinking. And Minnesota was lucky to win at home against Nebraska. They they were they they struggled in their second game against a MAC team and then they they got beat by North Carolina. I thought it was at least a little respectable, but this is This is not a good look for the Golden Gophers to be up 21 and to choke away a win against a team that has not been effective at all. And I'm going to talk about Northwestern in a minute because they deserve to be celebrated, but as much as Northwestern won the game, Minnesota choked it away, and listen, i I'm not sure. How many wins are left on Minnesota's schedule? I mean, they they've got a tough, tough schedule moving forward. You know, they they play Louisiana. I think that should be a win. I think. I I mean, Louisiana's three and one. They beat Buffalo. They beat UAB. They lost to Old Dominion, and they beat Northwestern State. It should be a win, but I don't know, man. Like, I've seen Minnesota under P.J. Fleck blow games to lesser teams. Bowling Green a couple years ago. Then they then they have Michigan. Then they go to Iowa, which, again, Iowa doesn't have an offense, but their defense is, I think, better than Minnesota's. Michigan State, maybe. Illinois doubtful at Purdue, maybe. and then they finish with Ohio State and Wisconsin. I mean that's just it's rough and I don't I don't know. like Kalia has looked just not it. I thought he was there and I at times he does. Oh, but it, it's just rough. And they I, I hope the gophers prove me wrong. I hope PJ Flick proves me wrong. but right now it's not looking good. For the Golden Gophers. I've got Northwestern at 13. This could easily change. But David Braun and Ben Bryant deserve their flowers, man. To see Ben Bryant's reaction after throwing that game-winning touchdown pass to Manjeri was, it was special. It was special. And I get it. They're not good. You know, they may not win another game this year. They might win one more game, Uh, but the fact that they fought back, it shows that one, these players have not given up and that they want to be there and they want to fight for their coaches and fight for their team, even though, you know, the stadium was half filled. It was, you know, not a lot of hope uh, in the program and they came back and they battled from 21 down and they won that football game. They deserve a lot of credit, and David Braun deserves a, a lot of credit. Who knows what the future holds for Northwestern and for David Braun? Um, I mean, I could easily see that this is lame. This is lame duck, and he's just an interim. But you know, I'm proud of those guys for fighting and fighting and fighting. They do have Howard, so that's that could be a win. But who knows? Maybe this is a turning point for them in this season. And uh, it's a it's a big. Big win for them. Any win was going to be big for them. And I think that even if they only win against Howard for the rest of the season, they've already, I think, tripled the win total that people expected uh, for Northwestern. And that's that's a good thing for this program. Number 12, I have Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska, they probably should have won by more against Louisiana Tech. There was some again weird officiating uh but Nebraska did what they needed to do they they pulled away one by 14 you know avoided getting upset by a team that they shouldn't get beat by uh I, I think more will come you know we'll see more from Nebraska and see how if they've really progressed number 11 Indiana I again if you're if you're sitting there thinking how is Indiana 11th it's because I I don't know how to rank these teams. Indiana got taken to the limit by Akron. They should have lost to Akron four overtimes. And they had to do the little Philly special play to, to win uh, on on a two point conversion for the fourth overtime. Which by the way, I hate that overtime rule. Can we can we get rid of I know people are like, let's shorten the games. Why are we so eager to shorten the games? Like, it's dumb. Go back to the old overtime rule. It's so much better than this. Anyway, Indiana won. They escaped against Akron who is not a good MAC team. And again, I Indiana gets Maryland next week. I think that's going to be rough. I, I just don't think Indiana is going to do well, but I I don't know where to put them. I I feel like they could easily be 14th or they could be be 9th because of how they played Louisville. Like, they they were in it against Louisville, and Louis, I think Louisville's a pretty good team. So, I I don't know. I don't know. I've got Indiana 11. Michigan State 10. Michigan State, at times, outplayed Maryland. And I, I was looking on X, formerly known as Twitter, a lot of people were saying that Michigan State, had they've given up on the team, they've given up on the program. I, I don't see that. You know, they were down 24-9, to and they were still fighting. You know, they, they outgained Maryland. They had more first downs than Maryland. But they had key penalties. They had a field goal blocked, and they had five turnovers. And you don't win games like that. And so Michigan State, with all the turmoil that's going on in that program right now, there are flashes where you're like, "Oh, Michigan State actually has some some guys. They actually can compete." And honestly, there there were times where they looked like they could match Maryland. But again, they they are self-imploding. And I don't think it's it's effort necessarily. Or that they're giving up. I just think they're they're undisciplined, and why wouldn't they with everything going on in their program right now? And so, if Mark D'Antonio, I, I know D'Antonio is not the head coach, but if if he and and that staff can kind of help bring them in and control uh, more of of their maybe aggression or their their playmaking, like I think Michigan State might be able to sting a couple people, but until they can prove that they're they're in this tier where they're just they're not they're not playing well. Um also I think people could say, did you see what happened against Washington? And my argument would be, I think Washington's gonna do that to a lot of people. So I, I don't hold Washington against them as much. Um I, I hold the broken tackles and all that against them. And again, discipline. They they need to be disciplined. But I, I don't see lack of effort. So I've got them at 10, I've got Purdue at nine. I was wrong about Purdue. I I picked Purdue to upset Wisconsin. I I think I was wrong about Wisconsin too. But Purdue Purdue is uh, Hudson Card really struggled in this game and you know, I I think the the run defense got gashed and again, I'm not sure I'm not sure what to make of Purdue, quite honestly. Uh, I think they have good pieces. I think Hudson Card can be good, but he was not very good in this game. So I, I have Purdue at nine. I have Iowa at eight. And part of this is honestly just a comparison between how Iowa played Penn State versus how Illinois played Penn State. Iowa was just terrible. I mean, again, part of that was Penn State. But this offense is atrocious. And listen, I thought McNamara—you know—McNamara you know, McNamara had his ups and downs at Michigan. I thought he was an upgrade against uh, upgrade over Spencer Petras because, quite honestly, how could he not be? No offense to to the kid, but he was by by the end of his third year, he had regressed. Well, he's regressed. Cade McNamara has regressed in the Iowa system, and I don't know if that's saying much because. There's a reason why he left Michigan. He was he was the backup. He was the guy who got beat out by JJ McCarthy. He's not a good quarterback. And losing LaChey, not having your top 2 running backs, that that kills their offense. And I like Eric All, he's a good tight end, he's not he's not LaChey. That offensive line is not very good. It doesn't help when you you have Chop Robinson lined up against you. Uh, I mean, he was dominant last night or on Saturday. But th- this, is, this is a very concerning uh, thing for Iowa, and Iowa has to hope that they can generate at least some sort of offense moving forward. Because even if their defense plays well, which I think at times they played well last night, you know, Penn State was slowed down a little bit. You're going to have to generate at least a few winning plays on offense. Um. Also, for those who are wondering, the Brian Ferentz clause—he has to win, he has to score twenty-five points or more per game to to st- keep his job. That ain't happening, not without Luke Lachey, and not. It's just not going to happen, like, and I mean, just to give you context, I think Iowa was up to eighty-five points. It was at eighty-five. 85 points in three games. So they were over 25 points. They had zero this game. So they are now averaging a cool 21.25 points a game. To to get to 25 uh, points a game after next week, they got to score 40. I, I don't know about you. I'm not seeing that. Uh, I've got Iowa at eight. I've got Illinois at seven. And again, this is hard because Illinois struggled against Florida Atlantic. You know, it was 23-17 um and granted it it was they were up by two possessions and it was in the fourth quarter that Florida Atlantic scored that touchdown but they shouldn't be in a six point game with Florida Atlantic like Illinois needs to be better than that so i've got i've got them at 7 6 i've got rutgers you know rutgers was in this game up till the third quarter and i think michigan kind of is doing what Georgia has done over the past several years where they kind of, you know, you kind of hang around, they give you a little bit of hope, and then they just kind of slam the door. But the reality is, you know, Wimsatt made some good plays. He made some some nice throws. He's not a great passer, but he made some good throws. He made some plays in the run game. I thought they moved the ball well. For a team that really can't throw that well, I thought they moved the ball fairly well against a really good defense. And I think if they, you know, they got to keep themselves from turnovers. But, I mean, if they play clean football, this is a team that I think can win seven games this year. I think they can beat Iowa. I mean, especially without their playmakers. And, you know, if you're an Iowa fan, you're like, we're not getting beat by Rutgers. Listen, you struggled a lot. You know, I, I know Iowa State, you were up big. And for you, for you guys, it was big, but like you struggled with Iowa State, you you couldn't put away Utah State. <clears throat> it took you until late to to beat Central Michigan or to to pour it on against Central Michigan. This is Rutgers is better than you think, so I've got them at six. At five, I I, I had them switched on my on my list, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the trigger. Five, I have Maryland. I don't think – I think Maryland, after watching the game and watching their game against UVA a week ago, I just don't think they're as – I think they are good. I think they're going to have a tough time with Indiana next week. I think think Indiana's defense is going to give them all they can handle. I don't think – I think ultimately – Indiana's offense is going to be their undoing. But I think that's going to be a tough game for Maryland. And again, it's it's tough. The, The dividing line is tough here. So I have Maryland in that second tier. I have them at five. Wisconsin, I have four. I think the fact that Washington State beat up on a really good Oregon State team, I think showcases the reality that, Wisconsin got beat by a really good team. And they came back in that game. And now that, you know, they they went on the road, which is not easy to do on a Friday night and just pulverized Purdue. And I, I really, re- really respect the Badgers. I think Tanner Mordecai is starting to heat up a bit, got mo- moving with his legs, you know, was able to throw the ball a little bit. Braylon Allen got loose. My one – the one sad thing is Ches Malusi probably out for the season. I think it's been confirmed he's out for the season. Uh, so sad because he was having a great year so far. Um, and so prayers up for for Chez Malusi. Um, but I have Wisconsin at four. And then you get to the big three. And I've – I'm shifting how I'm doing my rankings. I've always tried to lean towards resume. And so I'm leaning heavily towards resume at this point. So I have Michigan at 3. I think Michigan is great, but they haven't played anybody. Like Rutgers is their best opponent right now. And I think Rutgers is is good for Rutgers. And I think they're a a mid-tier Big 10 team. But that's their best opponent. And it's it's the only Power 5 opponent that Michigan that Michigan has played. And so just on that sheer fact alone, I have them at three. Penn State, I have at two. They have played three power five teams, one on the road. They went to Illinois, which is a tough place to play, beat them by 17. You know, they dominated Iowa, and they beat up on I what is – Interestingly, interestingly enough, a three and one West Virginia team, which has beaten Texas Tech, uh, who took Oregon to the limit, um, and I think they they beat Pitt, they beat Pitt as well. Which again, they're not great programs, not great teams, but they're a th- they beat a three and one Power Five team. I think Drew Aller is getting more comfortable. Uh, I want to see more out of that offensive line, but that defense is getting after it. Chop Robinson getting after it. That back seven is amazing. And so I've got Penn state two, And then I I have Ohio state number one on the sheer fact that they've, they have the best win, the best win by far of any big 10 team and either the best or the second best win of the season uh, overall of anybody in the country. And I want to talk about Ohio State for a minute in context because I think think Notre Dame played better last night or on Saturday. I think that's the best offensive line in the country that Notre Dame's got uh, across the board. Now, I think Michigan by the end of the season could have something to say about that. I think Georgia could have something to say about that. But right now that offensive line is filled with dudes joe alt being the primary guy blake fisher on the other side but that is a stout offensive line and they were leaning on ohio state and i thought ohio state i having said all that i thought ohio state's defense played really well they played bend but don't break for a lot of that game and they bent and bent and at times A couple times they broke, but I thought in general, they played really well, particularly that secondary, that secondary kept everything in front of them. I thought they took away any, any explosive plays. Uh, I I think the front seven, there's, there's a lot of work to do, but when, when it came to it, JT Tuimoloao made the plays that he needed to make to get Notre Dame off the field. I will say I'm not sold on Ohio State as the Big Ten favorite. They're they're number one because they have the best win. If I were doing it, just projecting where I think teams are going to go, I would pick Penn State to beat Ohio State at this point. I I would pick Michigan to beat Ohio State at this point. And part of that, is they, they have to grow still. That offensive line and run blocking has not been very good. That defensive line and those linebackers, I like Steele and I like Tommy Eichenberg, but they were bad last night or Saturday. Sorry. I keep I'm recording this on Sunday. They were not very good. The defensive line, outside of a couple pressures from Tui Moloau, and I I think Tyleek Williams played a really good game. But outside of those guys, like They were not the defensive line I expected coming into the season. And I think they would get beat by both Penn State and Michigan at this point. But they don't have to play them yet. With that being said, let me get to something else that's been hyped up before I get to my top 10. There's a couple things I want to address. One is just how polarized media and other people are over things like Ryan Day's outburst at the end of the game. And there's the media outrage over that. There's media outrage over Colorado. Let me just speak into that for a minute. I I like Ryan Day, and I'm never going to criticize a coach for standing up for his players. And so he got on... If you didn't see it, he got on NBC, the post-game speech, post-game interview, and he called out Lou Holtz for for saying on national television that their team wasn't tough and physical. And he got mad about it. And I think in some ways he was mad because it was a a shot against his team. I think he's also probably mad because he's insinuating that Ryan Day is not tough. And there are a lot of different takes about this. I think Ohio media is like, it's great. We love angry Day, angry Ryan Day. I think the national media in particular has been like, that's that's dumb. Why are you trying to dunk on an 86-year-old? And this this is my take. And it's it's probably a similar take to what's going on with Colorado and Coach Coach Prime after what happened with them getting crushed. And it's this. I think Ryan Day had a reason to be upset. And I think, I, I think this was a the, – the chatter before the game was I, just more disrespectful than I expected. And yet I think in some ways it was warranted. You know, Ryan Day said at the end of his comments that it's, it's because of one bad half, but – I, I would beg to differ that it was one bad half. It, it's been, uh, it's been a couple of halves, um, particularly two halves against the team up north, um, and how do I say this? There were there are certainly good questions, but I think. I think the narrative that they're not physical and they're not tough is the wrong narrative. It addresses the wrong the, the wrong problem. And so the people who are saying they're not physical, they they can't defend their like there were certainly moments in this game where Notre Dame was out physicaling them. But I I don't think it was a matter of physicality and I don't think that's actually been Ohio State's problem. Which then leads me to maybe my bigger issue with with Ryan Day and his, his post game is I, like I think it's fine to be upset about people insinuating a narrative that's partially not true. But I think what I feel about Ryan Day, and I thought that it came out again last uh, yesterday is he tightens up in big games. and he calls ridiculous plays, and players play tight. Like Emeka Ibuka should have had a touchdown and he dropped it in the end zone. They had third and fourth on the fourth and goal on the one yard line and they can't punch it in. And they call terrible plays. Like you how do you not have a QB sneak package with a, a kid who's six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds? Like, what are you doing? Like that's 14 points. You call jet a jet sweep on fourth and one. If you punch that in like you're talking about 21 points to 14, you don't need the one you know the the 1-inch line or the the 1-yard touchdown at the end of the game. Like you don't need that. And so I think that's the the issue that I think and this is where I'm going with with Ryan Day is that I I think there's a lot of nuance that's needed for Ryan Day in this whole this whole narrative is I actually think they played fine. They for the most part it, the game played out I thought I think a little bit kind of how I thought. I thought Notre Dame would have the power advantage and I thought at times they did a good job neutralizing and at, at times they didn't. And I thought Ohio State would be able to throw on Notre Dame and they did. They were able to throw on them. And I thought the offensive line actually did a pretty good job of protection for the most part. Um but I thought the outburst, it misses I, – I thought the narrative miss, misses what really is going on in Ohio State, and I think his outburst also misses the mark. Because here's the reality. You want to prove that you're tough and you want to prove that you can win tight games? You don't need to shout about it. You just won the game, and that's how you, that's how you beat it. And here's my, my main frustration – he said all those questions end tonight. No, they don't. No, they don't. You know where they end? You beat Michigan. You beat Penn State. You make smart calls on third and fourth down. You make smart calls on you know during different parts of the game. Your star players don't tighten up and miss plays. That's how you lose the narrative. And here's, here's how I think he will lose the narrative. Kyle McCord is a freaking dude. He did not play the best last night. But when it was go time, when it was pressure, that dude had ice in his veins. He nearly threw a pick. He comes back and he converts. He, intentional grounding, third and 19, he converts. He may not be the flashiest quarterback in the world, but that dude was had ice in his veins last night, and that is going to change the narrative. And so I, I, I just think the whole outburst missed missed the mark. Uh, I think Ryan Day he's he's got to continue to look in the mirror in terms of his his short ter- short uh, short yard play calling and whatnot. But I I think the people who are going crazy and be like, oh Ryan Day's a wimp, yada yada. You all need to shut up. And for those who are saying, I love me some Ryan Day, he needs to prove it on the field. And that's been my whole issue with Ryan Day is like, dude, okay, you can talk the talk, but let let, let, your, let your coaching do your talking, okay? Let your coaching do your talking. Um, with Colorado, I, I do want to bring say this and then I'll get to my top 10. It just, like, people were just, like, delighted to see Colorado lose. And, like, people were saying, oh, like, it's the most shocking thing that Colorado lost the way they did. I, I think if you you thought Colorado was going to keep it close or beat Oregon, I think you had your head in the sand. Like, it, there's, no, there's no objective reason for people to think that they were a Pac-12 contender. Based on their the poor defense and the, the line play. Like the line play is atrocious. But I'll tell you what, I, I, I think people who are rooting for Colorado to like lose because of media outrage, like you guys are buying again, buying into false narratives. Like saying that Coach Prime won't shut up and he's arrogant and he talks down teams. Listen, Dan Lanning talked down Colorado way more than Colorado has talked down other programs. And like Dion was very gracious in defeat, despite the fact that Dan Lanning, you know, is talking about getting click or playing for wins, which hilariously is getting clicks. And I think that was the things we're playing for wins, not clicks, except that when you post that on ESPN, you're saying it for clicks. Like, come on, man. Like, I like Dan Lanning. I like Oregon, but that's it's just dumb. Like it's not a good look. It's, it's hypocritical. Um, so I, I don't – I don't understand. I'm going long on this because there's one other thing I want to get to with the recap. And it's every year and, and probably every week. But officiating is stupid. And what what boggles my mind – and it happened in the Rutgers game, at Rutgers-Michigan game. It happened in the Ohio State-Notre Dame game. We have this rule with replay. It has to be indisputable evidence to overturn something. The definition of indisputable means it is 100% definitive. Like, it means you can't, you can't change it unless it's 100% fact. And there's plenty of plays I can pick out, but I'm going to pick the Ohio State-Notre Dame one that that it ticked me off for no other reason than the, it, it nullified another catch by Marvin Harrison that was awesome because Marvin Harrison had a foot down before his forearm came on, or, or before his hand landed in the white. And after review, they said, it was incomplete. Now it was talked about afterwards uh, at after the half, and they said, "Well, it's because they saw the ball move a little bit that it was that they determined that they needed to look at the hand and not the foot because the ball moved a little bit." To which Terry McCauley, the rules expert, then said, "But that doesn't necessarily mean that isn't a catch, and so it should have stood." And so that's the rules expert saying that they got it wrong on NBC. The Big Ten office is the one who overruled that. The Big Ten office needs to figure out what indisputable means. Because indisputable means 100% definitive. If it's not 100% definitive, you can't reverse a call. It's in the freaking rulebook. And this happens all the time. And I like I don't understand. I, I feel like people should be suspended for this. Like it's it's not a bang bang play. It's not, you know, I can forgive an official for throwing a flag because he thought he saw pass interference when he didn't. It stinks, but I can forgive that. I can forgive missing a hold because again, it's it just happens and maybe you see it, maybe you don't. It's live. But with plays that you review, there should be someone there to say, well, is there any doubt that this, that this should change? And if they say yes, then they should say, oh, we can't overturn it. It should be that simple. How do they get this wrong every game or almost every game? I, it, it's mind-boggling. I, and I, I'm thankful that it didn't impact the, the, the flow of the game because there was a penalty in that. But it's it shouldn't happen. And it certainly shouldn't happen to the frequency it happens. Review should be the easiest job in the world because all you do is you look at a play and you say, is there indisputable evidence to overturn this play and if there if there is not indisputable evidence you can't overturn it it should be the easiest thing in officiating and it's for some reason they get it wrong all the time like they need to start fining officials and offices for screwing this up I, i'm i'm it's ridiculous there's no reason why they should get this wrong I'm going to – I'm done with my rants. Let me get to my top 10, and I'm going long, so I'll just, I'll just motor through this. Number 10, I've got Washington State. Uh, Washington State, they have wins over Wisconsin and Oregon State, which is better than anything that USC or Oklahoma have done. Uh, USC, I don't understand the USC love. I know I've said that a couple of years for, for a few year, uh, weeks now. Not years, a few weeks now. Their defense stinks. They struggled a bit against Arizona State. Arizona State stinks. I don't, I don't understand the USC love. Um, I think Washington State is for real. Uh, number nine, I got Utah. Utah, what they're doing with a backup at quarterback for the past several games is nothing short of remarkable. You know, they beat UCLA again, they, beat, they have a a good win over Florida. I don't know how good Florida is, but what they're doing without Cam rising is awesome. And Kyle Whittingham continues to prove that he's maybe maybe a top five coach in college football. The dude's a stud. He's a coaching stud. I love him. Number eight, don't hate me, is Alabama. The demise of Nick Saban and the Alabama legacy I think, has, is premature. They beat Ole Miss after everybody thought Ole Miss was going to beat Bama. Beat him by a couple scores. Ho-hum. Milrow had good moments, didn't had some bad moments. But you know what? That defense, it's pretty good. That line, it's going to shape up. I think Alabama is, just watch out. Don't be surprised if they win the West, beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, and go to the playoff. Number seven, I got Michigan. I, I just think, again, they haven't played anybody. And so I I think they are legit, but I'm waiting for things to shake out. So number six, Georgia, same thing. I think Georgia and Michigan are very similar. They haven't played anybody. They played South Carolina. That's, that's a little better than... I think, who Michigan has played. But other than that, they haven't played anybody. Number five out of Florida State. Florida State's looked iffy. Really iffy. And LSU, the LSU win does not look all that great. They got pushed to the limit by Arkansas State, or by Arkansas, not Arkansas State. Got pushed around by Arkansas a little bit. Um, Florida State struggled. I know Clemson at Clemson is hard. But they've now struggled two weeks in a row. I know Florida State was down a couple guys, but I, I think I think someone in the ACC is going to get them. I, I, I would not be surprised they, if they lose uh, a couple games, even though they've, they've beaten kind of the big ACC heavyweight in Clemson. Penn State at four. Again, they have a sneaky good resume right now. West Virginia, Illinois, and Iowa, all power five teams And they've they haven't been challenged. Like their low their smallest margin of victory is 17. So I like they're I think I think they're they're legit. Ohio State three, again, based off the Notre Dame win going on the road, top ten team, with those stakes. I, I think regardless of what you think about how good Ohio State is. I think you have to give them credit, and you know, unless a Notre Dame comes out and just chokes against Duke, which that's a that's going to be a fun matchup, by the way, Duke versus Notre Dame. Like, I I think you got to you got to have some respect for that for that win going on the road in a tough environment. Number two, I have Texas, and. Again, I think Texas – I think the Texas win over Alabama is the best win in, in college football right now. And then number one, I'm going a little bit against what I was saying with with resume. And it's solely because they have looked dominant is Washington. I think Washington right now is the best team in college football. And I think – and people, people were pointing out that they let Cal score 32 points on him. Realize I think – I think – Washington got up by 40 at half and then kind of just called the dogs off. So like, yeah, they they allowed 30, but most of it's probably their second team and third team. So I'm not, I'm not dinging them for giving up 30 points because most of that was in the second half. Washington is really good. (laughs) That offense is really good. So that's, that's the top 10. That's the recap. Uh, I am sorry for going long. Hopefully, hopefully you guys appreciate this. I will be back with picks next week. Until then, take care. God bless.